going into nature and like jumping into freezing cold river water and you know seeing waterfalls and doing all of these quote unquote adventurous things, it made me feel like this is my, my true self. This is the Travel and Van Life podcast from Jits into the Sunset. We're Tanya and Adam, and this is the podcast where we talk all things travel, adventure, and road trips. Through our experience and with conversations with others who, like us, have chosen an alternative lifestyle. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. We are here another week in Nepal. Yay! Yeah, we are sat at the foot of incredible hikes, some of the best hiking in the world. And we're dying to get out there, but we've just, we've kind of been chained to our laptops a bit, haven't we? Yeah, we have, you know, <laughs> we know we're always honest with you guys. This is, this is the balance of, we're not just traveling for a holiday. It is still very much work. If you're new around here, welcome. We are travel filmmakers and podcasters on the road. And that's why we need to spend some time on the laptop. And that is just the reality of it. Traveling and working, sometimes you're working in wonderful places, which is obviously really cool, but it's also mildly frustrating not being able to get out there and explore the wonderful places, but it's still very exciting. We've got a lovely view from a balcony here, and we've been pottering around the town, going to these exactly. vegan restaurants, meeting the locals, mainly the dogs. Yeah, the, the dogs here are so, so sweet. They're really friendly. They're actually called community dogs yeah. here, because everyone... Instead of, instead of stray dogs, the dogs that are wandering around the streets are known as community dogs, because mm. the community look after them, and yeah. they're like not owned by a single person. It's really sweet, and most of them, there's one that doesn't like us, but most of them are lovely and sweet. <laughs> So just to paint a picture, we are absolutely loving it here in Nepal, even yeah. though we're not up on the mountains just yet, yet we yeah. do feel like we're living here. You know, yeah, we've got our the, locals. That's the amazing thing, because we're not here typically to do the touristy things mm -hmm. yet. We are here and it feels, it's a different experience, isn't it? Coming to a different part of the world to work and it's really enjoyable. It's really nice. Yeah. So this is 100% not a complaint. It's just an observation. An observation. We, we've got our, our, our local places and we've made friends with the staff and they always say hi to yeah. us and we say hi to them. So There's it is lovely. There's three places that we've been eating <laughs> at over the past, what, two weeks that we've been here now. So we are, yeah, we are certainly regulars at some places. But anyway, on with today's episode. Who is it, Tanya, that we are speaking with today? Well, earlier this week, we had the pleasure to chat with Hannah Price. Um, she is an Australian living in Japan for the last eight years. And Hannah has become pretty much the go-to person on YouTube for all things travel Japan related. She has a YouTube channel called Currently Hannah, where over the years she has grown it to over 350,000 subscribers and 90,000 on Instagram. So it's a real testament to the size of the community, the value that she provides. And yeah, she's always giving away the best tips and tricks and also advice on hidden gems in Japan. She also has a Jeep, so she overlands Japan regularly. So this was a really exciting conversation for, for us to, to have. Yeah, so we chat to Hannah about all things. We chat to her about 
her experience with relocating, how she had to get used to a different culture, why she loves Japan so much and continues to relentlessly recommend it across her <laughs> socials. And she has tips and advice. And if you stick around towards the end of the conversation, she discusses her experience doing van life there in her Jeep. As Tanya mentioned, she's got a lovely, lovely little self-converted Jeep. Mm. But even if you're not massively into Japan, it's not necessarily on your radar, we still think that there's a lot of value and a lot that you can get from this conversation. And we hope that you enjoy it. It's a nice nice easy listen it was a good fun conversation with hannah wasn't it yeah she's brilliant and as always make sure you do stick around till the very end to get hannah's book recommendations and of course this week's secret code emoji because if you know you know if you know you know so without further ado here is our conversation with hannah Hannah, what a pleasure it is to be having this conversation with you, although I have to caveat that the original plan was for us to meet you in person when we had intended and planned to be in Japan. And the way it was going to happen was that we were going to meet you in this beautiful park up, we were going to camp side by side, and we were going to spend the evening together and record the podcast the next day. But alas... Things happened. We made some travel <laughs> mistakes. We're in Nepal now. You're in Japan. We wanted to make this conversation happen. So we're so glad to, that you're here. So welcome. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad we can actually finally, finally talk rather than, you know, just back and forth in WhatsApp. And <laughs> I'm so sad you guys weren't able to come to Japan, but it will always be here for you. So I'll probably still be here as well. So <laughs> good. <laughs> I know. And you know what? I mean, we will cover. So there's no better woman to talk about Japan than you, really. And we'll talk about kind of tips and tricks and all of your advice. And you're the expert on hidden gems. But just one thing to note for people listening if you want to rent a camper van in Japan, if you if you want to rent a car in Japan, make sure you sort yourself out with an international <sighs> driving license. Yeah, because that is the reason that we're not there. Mine had expired and I had no idea. It's the first I'd heard of it. I, I only actually got one because we were going to Europe and I was worried about Brexit. But whenever I tell everyone, anyone about it, they're like, yeah, I'd have never thought of that either. So it's not an obvious thing. So yeah. Yeah. There's little already. things like that when you're traveling that will... Oh, it can, it can absolutely like ruin the trip just because you haven't got one like little paperwork thing mm. down. Chris and I are about to go to New Zealand tomorrow night. Actually, we're going for uh, yeah, we're going for three weeks, and we're also like doing the van and everything. And I'm like mental checklist, like trying to tick all these <laughs> things off. I'm like, don't ruin the trip, and <laughs> you know what could possibly go wrong, kind of thing. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it's not just the passport you need, but yeah. Now yeah, we know absolutely. It's just. Those little things that can just catch you off guard. But yeah, now mm. we know for next time because it's still very much the plan to come to Japan and do some van life there. So hopefully in the not too distant future, we will, we'll make that happen and we'll be able to meet up in real life. Yeah, yeah that would be great. <laughs> but for now, we are here speaking remotely. We're in Nepal. You are, of course, in Japan. And yes. we'd love to kick things off just by asking how and why you moved to Japan what was it about the country that really intrigued you and led to you making it your home uh yeah so I have a, a more of a, a bit of an unconventional start to Japan actually before I'd come to Japan I'd never yeah like I didn't have any like feelings of like oh, I really want to go there it was actually because I was I was 
slash am, I don't know if I can still say I am, a performer. So like singing, acting and dancing and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I auditioned, I really wanted to work at Universal Studios Japan in Osaka. Mm -hmm. And I auditioned for it in Australia. They do like a world tour, like Australia, um, America, the UK and Canada as well. And so I did the audition in Australia first year and I didn't get it. And then I did the audition again the next year and then I got the job. So then I got to be a performer at Universal Studios Japan. And so that was the first so like cool. the first like only reason that I came to Japan was just to work at Universal Studios. And I was so excited, but I was mainly just excited to have a full time performing job. I didn't know anything about the country, nothing about the language or the culture or anything like that. I was like, oh, I'll figure it out when I get there. Um, because, you know, we're so uh, well look af looked after in like this little English speaking bubble at USJ. So, yeah, it was great. And then I, I so when I came to Japan, I very quickly realized like, oh, actually, I really love I really love this like culture and the lifestyle and pretty, pretty immediately knew that I wanted to stay for longer than a year because it was just a one year contract at the time. And yeah, I guess it was it was like the the people was just so kind and I really liked everybody's like the, the work ethic from all of the other performers that the Japanese performers that I would work with at Universal Studios. Yeah, I really liked their work ethic and everyone was so kind and funny and welcoming. Yeah, it was kind of just from that that I thought like, oh, this is really great. And I loved my job at USJ. So yeah, I tried to stay for as long as I can. And now, I mean, that was like 11 years ago or 12. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just 11 years ago. Um, I, I well, haven't been in Japan the full time. It's been around eight years in total. But yeah, I always, always end up wanting to come back to Japan, even though I'm not, I'm not performing anymore. I'm just doing YouTube, which is a kind of performing, you could say, <laughs> a different kind. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really wonderful country, really, really livable. I don't know, like it's a completely different culture from Australia or you know, the UK, like the Western kind of culture that we're all so used to, mm -hmm. but still very, I don't know, just like lovely and accommodating. And it's a, it's a kind of lifestyle that I, I felt that I could adapt to reasonably. Yeah, That's really interesting. So you, you, you talk about just the different culture, of course, it's undeniable. What were the main things that I guess you, you found yourself having a bit of culture shock, but then also really drawn into it? And like you, you said, it's really livable. What do you mean by that? What, what is it about Japan that made you feel like, yes, I can make this my home? Yeah, so like there was definitely culture shock for sure. Like, but I mean, like culture shock is kind of sounds like a negative thing, but not necessarily negative in like, it's shocking, I want to go. But just like, that's very different is that, I mean, especially- Culture surprise. Culture surprise. <laughs> I feel like that's a nicer way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> I was very culturally surprised by like, especially 10 years ago in Japan, they're really, especially like the area that I was living in, in Osaka, is there really weren't that many other foreigners there, like well, Western foreigners at least. So if I ever saw another foreigner, like when I was walking out in Osaka, it was like, a, what are you doing here? Like, where do you work? What are you, what are you doing in Osaka? What are, what are you, what's your story kind of thing? And so, you know, you stand out so much as a minority kind of thing. And yeah, I, it was quite surprising that 
people would look at me so much and, you know, talk amongst themselves and they're like, oh, there's a foreigner over there. Like, I wonder what she's doing here kind of thing. Stuff like that. And like those things that I think it's a kind of thing that a lot of foreigners living in Japan, it can like grate on you after a while or it can, I'm sure you guys know, like traveling to a, a lot of countries, you stand out in, in many different countries you go to. And yeah, like that's usually fine when you're traveling, but I guess it's like when you're living in the country, you're just trying to live a normal life, like just trying to earn some money and that kind of thing that it, it can start to like get really frustrating after a while and I imagine it can be quite draining it can be quite draining yeah you're just trying to like catch the train and go home and then suddenly you feel everyone's eyes on you and people yeah. you know, talking about it's you. kind of like being famous but without without all the money <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and yeah it's it's really funny so like that that kind of thing definitely surprised me at first and you know there were times like it's like there's a similar kind of roller coaster that everyone goes on when you when you move to Japan for the first time, um, it takes about a year to kind of come out the other side, you know, either well adjusted or having decided I'm going to go. Mm. You know, it starts off like Japan is amazing. This is utopia. Oh, my gosh, everything is incredible. And then after a while, there's like this dip where you start to see the cracks forming. And this will happen in any country you go to, obviously, mm. but it's, it's usually quite pronounced quite obvious in Japan yeah the cracks start to show and little little tiny annoyances in life start to bring you down and then after a while you'll come out the other side being like and that's life or <laughs> you know no country is perfect that kind of thing yeah. the things that I really loved about moving to Japan at first especially was yeah just the people are so so kind and you know like I, I'd never learned any other language before like I took French in high school but I don't remember anything except for like escargot maybe <laughs> but for Japanese it, I'd never felt you know any kind of desire to learn any language until I came to Japan and I realized how how fun it could be to learn a language and figuring out how to communicate with the locals and everyone's so accommodating and they welcoming and if you don't speak Japanese fluently they're still like oh no it's still so good like please keep trying like you know they'll they'll do their best to talk to you in a in a really kind way something that could be very different in other countries. I have some very specific memories in France when I'm trying my best to speak French and the locals just it's not good don't enough. care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very different attitude. Yeah, Japan is, is quite the opposite in that. Yeah, they're, they're like, even a little bit, we love it. Like, we love hearing it kind of thing. Yeah, the, the public transport's great. Every, the convenience stores, everything is so convenient and close. And um, I ride my bike everywhere. So I, you know, you get that like exercise and fresh air and the seasons change constantly. There's always things happening. There's so many things that I love about living in Japan that's kept me here for so long. <laughs> yeah. Learning the language, which is, oh, I can't even imagine how difficult that must have been at first how did you even go about that i felt like when i before i came to japan like knowing not knowing any other language aside from english coming to japan i i really thought that like something about like asian languages that in particular it feels like they were oh, super complicated i guess because you hear about in chinese how they've got different what's that called tonal it's a tonal language and so if you say the exact same syllable, but it's with a different tone, it's got a completely different meaning. So you hear things like that, like growing up as a teenager. And then I came to Japan, and I was like, oh, it's going to be so difficult to understand. You know, it sounds really complicated. But then actually, when I started to learn, I was like, oh, actually, it's a lot, lot easier than, than I thought it was going to be. But also, you've got the motivation of, you know, if I don't know how to say this, then I will... 
I don't know how to get home or if I don't know how to say this, then I won't know what I'm going to order at the restaurant, that kind of thing. So having that motivation is like so key to learning a new language for sure. I still find myself making really, really basic mistakes, basic errors, because I never started from scratch learning like the official language. I started learning like jokes, slang from Kansai, from Osaka and like, you know, I still like sometimes say things in a super, super casual form when I should be more polite because I don't know how to say it in a really polite way, for example. So there's little mistakes and things like that that I'm still making. And there's no way I would call myself fluent now. Definitely not. But yeah, it's it's been really fun. But I think now I'm at the stage where I can get around. I can get myself out of trouble. I can, you know, kind of do everything I need to do. Therefore, I don't have the motivation to learn anymore, which is also a problem that... I'm sure any language, new language learners will have. So now I need to find the motivation from somewhere else to keep learning, <laughs> to keep studying Japanese. Yeah, that's it. Once you're good enough to just get by, like why get any better, I guess. I know, is... <laughs> it's so easy to just coast on this like mediocre level that I'm at right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can get by, you can get by. That's still, it's really impressive because <laughs> even though you say, oh, actually it wasn't that hard, I could pick it up. I still think you're being quite modest and it's probably very difficult. Uh, like, well, nah. I'd find it very, very difficult. So with that in mind, obviously, there's a lot of challenges that come with moving to another country. There's the whole culture. You said you, you know, you were somewhere where there weren't many other foreigners. So a lot of attention would be on you. Of course, there's a the language. There's all these little cultural nuances that, you know, you can't really prepare for until you're actually there. But doing something like moving country especially when it's to somewhere that is so different that really is pushing yourself out of your comfort zone uh, a lot of people have some kind of vague idea of like oh I'd love to live abroad at some point like I've got it I'd, I've always had like oh I'd love to live in like Italy or somewhere sunny in Europe mm. you know a bit, a bit nicer climate and I think a lot of people will have these thoughts but won't necessarily follow through with it so what is it about you that made you take the plunge to go okay I I'm going to actually live in this country. I'm going to live in Japan and immerse myself in the culture. I think because I didn't have like the conventional start to like living in Japan or coming to the reasons to coming to Japan. I don't know if it even, it feels like it doesn't even apply to me much because it didn't feel like a, like anything that I needed to psych myself up for to be like, okay, I'm going to do it because all I ever wanted for, for the years that I was doing dance lessons and singing lessons and stuff I like especially in Australia there's not a huge performing arts industry in Australia itself there is like a lot more things nowadays but especially 10 years ago I, like of course like moving to Japan there's like some nerves but like again like coming through like Universal Studios we're so looked after like in the company everyone there's always like a translator with us there's always people that speak both English and Japanese I think maybe I would have had the the guts to do it. I, I did a, bit, a few ballsy things even when I was like 19, 20. I feel like maybe I would have had the guts to do it. But the fact that I was I was just so safe in this little foreigner bubble in, in Osaka, it didn't feel like a, a leap at all. It was just a, a slight step to the side. <laughs> nice. Yeah. A nice transition. I'm really interested to hear what the ballsy things you're saying you did were oh. when you were 19. You have to tell us You now. can't just drop that in and then <laughs> move on. I mean, the first thing I thought, I was like, I did a lot of travel, like in between two of my contracts. After my first year in Japan, I was like, my eyes were open to travel. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to see more of the world. It's incredible. And so I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to Europe and I'm going to see all of these countries. I think I was there for two months. 
like completely by myself. I, got, got, I went to like seven different countries or something. And the entire time, I don't know, like looking back, I'm like, this is probably a dumb thing that I did. But it was it was a thing people did at the time. It's called couch surfing. You've probably heard of it. It's like a yes. yeah, website. Yeah. Couch surfing by myself, random people's houses, just wow. staying on the floor, staying on the couch. And I was a 19 year old woman by myself. And sometimes I just like stay with guys, like not like nothing romantically or anything. I was just like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Hannah, I met you on couch surfing. And I just like sleep on their floor in a sleep in a sleeping bag and like <laughs> left the next day. What was I doing? I, I, I don't recommend that <laughs> by the way <laughs> to anyone else. I think now I'd be a lot more, a lot less careless. You know, you kind of feel invincible when you're younger, hey? I bet it was an amazing experience. It was. It was great. It was really fun. It was. It was a good like traveling by myself. I'd made some like silly travel mistakes and learned a lot of hard to learn lessons. But <laughs> it was great. It was good for my personal development, and I got to experience a lot of Europe. And yeah, no, it was great. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised to hear that that was the younger version of yourself, given the fact that you love to you love to explore the 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 hidden parts of of Japan you love to hike you love to be outdoors you're a curious mm. person that is that is you you know that over a decade later so it's like yeah it, 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 it makes just, sense it makes total sense but I'm glad does, that we asked actually. the question yeah <laughs> and looking back I'm like yeah yeah that does make sense for me for, for my my journey you know <laughs> But this is the thing, and we, we, we always talk about the personal growth journey that you go on when you travel, when you experience new cultures, when you make those mistakes yourself. And, you know, that that's why if you have the opportunity to take a gap year when you're younger or do internships abroad when, you know, you're when, when you're still in school or college or whichever, it just just molds you into the into the adult that you'll be in the future because you have to fend for yourself imagine the 19 year old version of you that you know the parallel version that hadn't done that it's there there's no one looking out for you Mm. you have to plan you have to book you have to make those mistakes you have to you have to give out to yourself you have to be like I will not get myself in this situation again for me um what one that I remember is I was I had like a solo backpacking trip around Italy it was only about 10 days and I had booked a flight into Naples and then out of Milan and I just knew that I was gonna you know just wiggle my way around the country and I was gonna do that but when I was in Naples I was staying in a hostel and I found myself basically just about to run out of battery I was on one percent and I didn't I this is classic me Adam Adam you're saying oh I'll I'll never make that mistake again you always do that (laughs) okay okay hold on hold on hold on no the the, the mistake is different the mistake is different I have to be better charging my phone yes I admit it okay but the, the, the the thing about it was I had 1% battery. I didn't know exactly how to get home. I knew kind of how to get home, but I was about 15 to 20 minutes away walking and I had that 1% and I knew that even reading the map, I wouldn't be able to remember. So this doesn't surprise this doesn't surprise me at all. Tanya always runs out of phone battery and never knows whether we go left or right. Like we'll go in somewhere for a coffee and then we'll come out and she'll start walking <laughs> the wrong way out of the coffee shop. I'm like, how did you do that? Okay, okay. So this is see, see, I'm always the same person, but 
So just just to round off the story, I had 1% left. I knew that I, even if I studied the map, I wouldn't be able to get myself home exactly to the hostel. It was Naples. It was dark. It mm. was not very safe. Yeah, and I ran. I ran like my life <laughs> depended on it because I said to myself, like I was running through these like streets where I shouldn't have been running down. You know, like when yeah, you get that feeling yeah. in your gut, you're just like, this is stupid. Why am I in this position? Mm. And I was angry at myself and I was like, never again. Should I ha- have low battery <laughs> and not know where I am and staying in a hostel in Naples? That was the lesson. There's definitely been some streets I've ran down. I'm like, ah, I'm getting the bad vibes. But I, like in my head, I'm like, if I run, they can't catch me, right? Like no one's gonna, <laughs> no one's going after the, the solo female running person. They're gonna go after no, me walking on their phone. So, you know. Very smart. true, good deterrent. Yeah. And you look a bit crazy running around, you especially if you're yeah, angry exactly. at yourself like Tanya. I can imagine. A bit I, guys, I'm going to go on of a slight bit of a tangent and just give a self-defense tip. So <laughs> a long time ago, I took a Krav Maga uh, course. So Krav Maga is self-defense. They, they teach it to the Israeli army. And one of the tips that that I got, which is crazy, I don't think, you know, listeners, you're not going to be able to believe this, but do pass this on. If you are ever in the very unfortunate position that you are, you know, being grabbed or attacked or whichever, you start growling and foaming at the mouth. I'm not even joking. <laughs> yeah, this was yeah, part yeah. of the exercise. Why? Because who wants to, like... I mean, it's it, a turn-off for the, the guy, yeah, isn't it? Immediately. Exactly. Like, they're going to be like, what is going on? And it's going to completely break mm. the spell that they're trying to create. Like the It's it's, it's true. I've heard, the, like, a similar thing. Like, act weird. Act like you are the crazy one. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. It breaks the spell, like the, the you know, the story that they've got, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, I, 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 di- I digress. That was an interesting digression, though. <laughs> I, I do digress. <laughs> Just a quick interruption to say a massive thank you mm-hmm. to our first podcast partner, Woo-hoo. which is AG1 <laughs> by Athletic Greens. We're so excited. So we've been using AG1 for the last two years when we've been in jets and also during our backpack travels to Indonesia, to Costa Rica, Iceland, you name it. So we're a big, big fan. But if you don't know what AG1 is, Adam's going to tell you. Okay, so AG1 is a powdered drink. You mix it with water or you add it to your smoothie or you can mix it with juice, however you want to have it. And it is basically loaded with 75 Mm -hmm. vitamins and minerals. And the way they describe it is it's your nutritional insurance. So if you're out and about, you're adventuring, you're doing whatever, or even to be honest, just in your day-to-day life, not everyone's diet is perfect, but you want to know that you are getting all your vitamins, all your minerals, all your nutrients that you need, then you take AG1 first thing in the morning and... Or whenever. We take it first thing in the morning, but you can take it any time of the day. You can take it whenever you want it, but we take it first thing in the morning, gives us great energy, keeps us going, and it's just something that we really like and we would recommend to anyone out there adventuring. If you got it, you want it halfway up a mountain, city that you've never been to, you don't know where you're going to get your food... There you go. Take it with you anywhere. Or just your day-to-day or life. Or just your day-to-day instead, life. Instead of having a cabinet full of vitamins, which I have been guilty of doing in the past, like, oh, there's vitamin for this <laughs> and vitamin for that. It's just, you just have to think about with this one thing that you add with water and there you go. And yeah. yeah. simple. And it tastes really nice as well, yeah, actually, as we, yeah. you said. We love it. We recommend it. And we're really proud to be able to recommend it to you. 
if you want to support the podcast, please do use our code. We've got a special offer for you. Yeah, exactly. So if you're looking for an easier way to take your supplements, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. And actually, it's the travel packs that we take around with us because they're so convenient for, as the name would suggest, traveling. So (laughs) if you go to athleticgreens.com forward slash adventure, That's athleticgreens.com forward slash adventure. You will get this deal and you will help us because every time that someone uses our code, we get some money. We get supported. Yeah, financially supported. And that is how you can support us by supporting yourself, your good health. Your immune system. Oh, the whole enchilada. Yeah, it does. So you can go (laughs) on their website. You can read more about all the benefits of it as well. And yeah, that's it. We'll get on, on with the show now, on with the conversation. We spoke about the kind of culture shocks that you'd have at the early days of coming to Japan. Do you kind of have that in reverse when you go back to Australia? I mean, culture shock is potentially a strong word for it, but are you a bit like, oh God, I forgot that this the, is kind yeah, of what Australia is like? Surprise. The culture surprise. Yeah, of culture surprise. Oh, absolutely. Well, my first day back in Australia, like after I'd been in Japan for three years, like stuck there over COVID kind of thing. My first day back in Australia, I literally just arrived at the airport. My dad picked me up and before we even went home, we went to the grocery store to pick up some things. At the grocery store at home, it's like, it's such a great feeling. I'm like, oh, my favorite snacks. You know, I love this kind of thing. Having a great time. <laughs> yeah. And then, oh man, I wish I, I, wish I got a, a video on my phone. It was incredible. There was like a, an old man, I'm trying to paint the picture, an old man just like wearing a you know, flannelette shirt and some old jeans. He had the longest beard you've ever seen in your life, gray beard so long the beard was like must have been down to his belt at least and his hair was braided down his back gray hair braided down his back and it was dragging along the floor in like this ponytail dragging along the floor so wearing his flannel shirt his blue jeans no shoes very long toenails I remember that and (laughs) and to top it all off he was riding around on those little like hoverboards but there were like individual hoverboards for each feet. So he was just like gliding around the grocery store, his ponytail dragging along Mm. the ground. And I was like, wow, welcome back to Australia. (laughs) But I never, but like, honestly, that was probably, I may be painting a crazy picture of Australia right now. That was the craziest thing that I saw my whole time there. But it was just funny that it happened like within an hour of arriving at the airport. I was like, wow. Australia, it's good to be home. I forgot it was always like this. Yeah, yeah, I forgot everyone's crazy. No, it's not, it's not that crazy. But, but, you know, I mean, it's pretty, it is insane that though it is, it can be quite common to see people like in the grocery store without shoes on, for example. And that is like, whoa, that is shocking if you haven't, you know, been around it for so long. But it, that's quite normal in Australia to paint a more realistic yeah. expectation of the country. <laughs> yeah, it's just funny, isn't it? How adaptable we are as people like much less extreme example is when I moved away from the countryside to live in London I got used to like the pace of London and the energy and the feel of being in London and when I went back to the country I was like whoa like the shops close on Sunday and like (laughs) everything's really quiet it's just like suddenly like you're like oh like yeah of course life's completely different here and you forget Mm. that that's like a normal thing for a different place and it just yeah yeah the same thing australia like a lot of shops close at like three or four in the afternoon and like nothing closes that early in, well i mean like for shopping centers for example they'll all close at like 9 p.m mm-hmm. every night at least 
So you just get so, you, you, your lifestyle becomes like, oh, I'll just pop to the shops whenever, like until 9 p.m. You're usually fine. And then in Australia, I'll pop to the shops at 6 p.m. I'm like, damn it, I forgot that. <laughs> I forgot that people have a different lifestyle. It's not that it's wrong, it's just different, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. You kind of go through this little phase. <laughs> well, earlier you mentioned about your YouTube community and building a community around the, your experiences in Japan, you going off and finding these like off the beaten track adventures, road tripping, all of it. So I'd love to really talk about your most frequently asked questions, well, that I'm sure you, you know what they are, and <laughs> kind of like your top advice for people that are interested in traveling to Japan, not necessarily to live, but just to travel, to explore it, and to immerse themselves in, in that culture. Yeah, because you've become the go-to person on YouTube wow. for anybody looking into Japan. That's how we found you, actually. Such kind words. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, a lot of people ask about the JR pass that, you know, it's like this pass that will maybe cost like $250 for a week. And then you can use it on any of the JR like Shinkansen bullet trains in Japan. It can be a super cost efficient way of traveling Japan. However, they're putting up the price. They're like pretty much doubling the price from wow. September, I think. Yeah, it's a really quite a shocking leap in price. But they're doing it because like they haven't increased the price of them since they first opened like 30 years ago or something like that. And the, the, the tourism is, is booming so much already that I think they're worried that the, the bullet trains are just going to get too full and then the locals will really feel the impact that they won't be able to get a seat on the bullet oh, train because yeah. there's too many tourists, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's um, better, There's many it? reasons that they've done it, yeah. But it can still be cost efficient even at the high price, but you just won't see the same savings that you would have had last time. It was almost, it was honestly like too cheap in the past and only only foreigners outside of the country coming into Japan were able to get it. If you're a, even a foreigner living in Japan or if you are a Japanese like native, you're not allowed to buy the pass. It's only for, it was only for tourists. So it was almost too cheap in the past. But anyway, that aside, you can still find some savings with it, but it really depends on how many trips on the bullet train you're taking. The bullet train can be quite expensive, like from Osaka to Tokyo, it's about 13,000 yen. So what is that? It's like 130 Australian dollars, closer to a 90 US dollars maybe. But yeah, so it, it can add up quite quickly, but if you are really trying to go budget budget, I would highly recommend some of the overnight buses. There's a company called Willer Express, they're excellent. You can get like a $50 Tokyo to Osaka overnight bus. I uh, use them many, many times. And if not, the, like domestic flights are all like very, very cheap within the country. So I would recommend that instead. I just get a lot of like itinerary questions like, what should I do in Japan? It's like such a broad question. I'm like, well, what do you like? I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, it really, there's, there's just so much that like Japan has to offer to anyone. Like if you're there for the first time, everybody wants to do Tokyo, Osaka and Kyoto, obviously the golden triangle, but those places can get very, very busy. Like over COVID, it was crazy to see them empty. And I didn't think that things were gonna, you know, pick back up as quickly as they did, but I just went there like, I went to Tokyo and to Kyoto um, not that long ago and it was packed, absolutely wild. In a way, I never expected it to be, yeah, like it's, it's, the levels are almost back to what they were pre-COVID and the flights from China haven't even officially like uh, fully started up again. So yeah, it could get much busier in the future. So in saying that, yeah, if you wanted to avoid the crowds, then 
getting to places really early in the morning, that's going to help you a lot. And then, yeah, going to some more like off the beaten path places, like still go to Kyoto, but instead of seeing like the same five shrines that everyone else goes to, just try and find some other little smaller ones and there'll be way less people. It will be so much more enjoyable because the vibe, especially in shrines and temples, the vibe is like part of the experience, right? And you don't get to enjoy the vibe if you're like shuffling through like an anchovy. Mm. Is it anchovies? Is that the one, the little fish in the can? Sardines. 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 That's the one, thank you. It didn't sound right when I said it. I was like, nah, that's the salty <laughs> fish. <laughs> Anch anchovies yeah. works though. I don't know why they I... picked sardines for that saying. But yeah, we know what I don't you know. mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can see that you're as well, you're resisting giving the plug that should very much be given to your ebook. I really so wanted to give that plug. <laughs> we will do it. We will do it for you because anybody <sighs> looking for advice on how to get off the beaten track in Japan, Hannah has an excellent ebook, which we will, of course, leave linked in the show notes. And when I say excellent, I really mean excellent. Mm. Like it is the format, the photography, the, the useful information in it is honestly outstanding and I wouldn't oh, go into you. it this much if I didn't really mean it. It's, honestly, it's a stunning So stunning it, book. it's called Beyond the Tourist Trail and we bought this book right well, before we were going. Yeah, waste of money now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a refund, I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we were like, because we, we were scouring the, the internet being like, right, because the way we travel is very similar to you is that, you know, I think, I think, yeah, getting into the cities, yeah, nice, whatever. But really where the magic happens is where you can go off in nature and go on hikes and, and go jump in lakes and, and just see the country for more than, you know, the, the top Google search, uh, search results will give you. It's kind of like, I think the best of traveling, you can kind of combine mm. some of the top line Google with the more hidden stuff, but you don't want to just be doing the top line Google because then you'll end up, like you say, like an anchovy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like an anchovy. And, <laughs> and, 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 that's how, and that's essentially how we discovered your YouTube channel. Actually, I want to give a shout out to Jenny, our friend, and also she's a producer on the show. We haven't actually mentioned her before. Jenny is a huge fan of yours. She watches Aww. your YouTube video and she was the one that had recommended, now I remember, she recommended oh. your channel and she was like, you have to get on to Hannah, like she is the expert. And of wow. course, we saw straight away and then I saw that you had just released your ebook and I was like, boom, Perfect. purchase, take Perfect my money, timing. Hannah. <laughs> yeah. And you took oh. my money and I was like very impressed with showing Adam, we were like, you have it's tips amazing. on like the place is like how you've gone into so much detail to show if a place is like like how busy or crowded you can expect it to go the way that you share like you know this is the bus stop timetable like click on this you have a map where the work has already been done for us we were like great we're just gonna arrive we're gonna pick up our camper van and we're just gonna follow Hannah's map that's exactly so what I wanted it to be I wanted to just pick up the guide because <laughs> Chris and I are like the most last minute people you could imagine. We'll like plan a trip like the night before. We're like, I guess we'll wake up at this time and just leave and figure it out. But some places, like especially when it gets busier in Japan and more touristy or there's language barriers, it, it's so much harder to do things really last minute. So I wanted the guide to be able to just be like, you pick it up and, and go. So thank you so much for plugging it as in as much detail as you did. That's really kind. 
I'm really, really yeah, happy to hear all of those kind words. That was pretty much the only thing I did when I was in Australia, just working on the guide, giving me wow. purpose. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, as van lifers, we are not used to, up until recently, we've only just started backpacking and we're not used to having to plan accommodation or uh, routes or routes yeah. of where we're going we would we would just make it up as we go along but we feel like when we're you know somewhere like japan you really want to make the most of the time that you yeah. have there and that's why your ebook was just such a great resource for that for uh, so we can make all those plans that we ended up cancelling well in <laughs> the future in the future yes still there. in the future all definitely i can give you a refund if you want until <laughs> we'll keep it we'll keep it oh, saved thank you. <laughs> the great thing about it is that you're incentivizing people to go to these places where they can go on hikes they can be out in nature where they can just be in more rural places and you know I, I I know that you feel this way as well but like getting out in nature being out on a hike just does so much for your well-being and your mental health it is it is just a common theme throughout the podcast when we're having these conversations with people that are through hikers or maybe they're just you know hobbyists that that that, that go, in, enjoy you know cycling or just being out in the outdoors and it is a very healing thing and before Adam and I embarked on our kind of travel journey moving into our camper van jits we I mean for me specifically I, I I grew up in cities I I was born in Mexico City I then was raised in in Dublin I then lived in New York and then finally I lived in London before wow. meeting Adam and decide you know <laughs> deciding to 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 give up my 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 life and I you know kind of corporate working in advertising and moving into a van and and going off traveling and that was that was my introduction of being outdoors and and going on hikes the first hike that I did well the second hike that I ever did was with with Adam and that was and and that was the start of it so really feeling the effects of getting out of the city you could still love it you can still enjoy the buzz of it but there's nothing quite like kind of that healingness that you get from being out there outdoors and I know that in Japan around the 80s, I think that, the, what is it, the forest bathing was popularized? Forest bathing was kind of like, yeah, coined, I think, in oh, Japan. And yeah. I think all it really means is effectively just going out into nature and just kind of like sitting there. So rather than just like, I think, this is, if my understanding is correct, you, you get out and you, rather than just walking through the woods, you'll sit. And then once you're sitting, then the forest will kind of come alive around you because once you're like you know your big heavy footsteps just like trampling through the woods like oh of course all well and good not causing any damage but all the little bugs and the little critters will like scurry away and if you're to sit down in the woods and just be there then like animals and the forest will just come alive around you and obviously there's all the other benefits of like the breathing in the clean air and I think there's new science now about like I don't know whether it's the energy or some kind of chemical that trees release that is supposed to be really good for your mental health and your clarity. And I don't know, is forest bathing, is it a big part of Japanese culture that you that you know of? Or is it just something that is a small part of it? Uh, I've definitely like heard the term, I forget what the word is in Japanese, but heard of like the forest bathing term. Although admittedly, mostly I just hear it like in English forums or English mm. blogs, like Japan, the yeah, forum. Yeah, I did wonder. Know forest bathing but you know in saying that I have also seen it like I always I always end up talking about Google Maps 
Um, <laughs> I just love it. Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, like the when I'm looking through reviews on places, because they always give helpful information on how to visit, how to get there or whatever. You'll often see comments from people being like, you know, it's a really great spot for forest bathing. So it's still, it's mm. definitely a term that Japanese people are using, especially the people that really like to get out in nature. Yeah, I've actually just finished helping out with kind of a do mini docu-series about um, a man named James Rath. He's a legally blind filmmaker and he traveled to Japan recently. And I was speaking to him about like, I was like, so when I go traveling, I'm always looking for a place that is visually really stunning and it's got great views and stuff like that. He's legally blind, so he still has, you know, some amount of sight. But yeah, I, I asked him this question and, and he said, he was like, yeah, like I'm, I'm you know, I'm still traveling to to see beautiful places like he can use his phone in, in many ways to still visually see things but it's very close up it's just a different way of seeing than we are and but he was saying one of the things that he travels for is you know like if he goes out to nature and he's love hike he loves hiking and things like that he's like I'm I'm there to you know there's other other senses that we've got like you can hear the river you can feel the cool breeze of the thing you can like hear little creatures you can feel like different surfaces you know trees and grass and things like that and he's like these are all the same senses that I have like that that you know sighted people have but because visuals always take the first priority to sighted people you, those other things kind of fall into the background a little bit so he says he you know, because he has limited vision, he just really notices all of those other senses. And like, since he said that, I was like, huh, I never really, yeah, you don't notice all of the other things that you get when you're out in nature, like you know, the, the, the temperature and the breeze and the sounds and the, the, the feelings of things. Yeah. No, yeah, you have to make like, beyond sight, beyond sight, you kind of have to make a real effort to be present to notice the other senses, like you say, like the breeze and the sound even sometimes you can just not even if you don't focus on it you'll just you'll miss it mm, and I guess that's yeah. another another way of saying that just being present in, enhances the experience quickly going like the the sounds and things another thing like it's kind of ties into things that I didn't notice about Australia until I left and then went back um my gosh the wildlife in Australia is so loud like there's like birds chirping constantly and there's like little <laughs> bugs and insects and the, the birds calls are crazy they sound like I don't know like <laughs> like they, they just sound like screeching and everything. I'm like oh my gosh this forest is alive compared yeah. to like the you know if I go hiking in Japan you hear a few little cute little birds here and there but it's just not nowhere near as loud so yeah it's it, there's just this so much life in Australian rainforest. Maybe it's like the Japanese wildlife are just a little bit more polite. They don't they don't yeah. want to take up too much space because I because I know that that's also part of the culture. I've, I've you know in my research I, I've seen that the people people can't like talk in certain like restaurants or when they're on the train and you can elaborate on that but I was just going to say then in contrast Australians like the Irish are pretty rowdy so <laughs> yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go it's actually yeah that's a very good point it's very like reflective of the people <laughs> in a way yeah the the little birds in Japan they're just like I'm just here singing a good morning tune, but I'm not too loud to disturb your hike. I'm just letting you know I'm here kind of thing. <laughs> Australian birds are like, I'm here, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. You know, but one of the other things that I wanted to say when 
I was I was going off on the benefits of being outdoors and what it has done for us and and often when we're speaking to other people that 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 love to spend time outside and in nature is that real healing effect that it has because you have time to as Adam said you be present to think about things to reflect on life and it it's known to be really healing and I guess my my question to you is what has being outdoors done for you and and has being out in nature healed you from anything Mm, I don't know if it's really like healed me from anything like nothing's really coming to mind in that sense but I don't know like growing up in Australia I've, I've always really liked the outdoors and my family would always go camping and things like that and then coming to Japan, I, I think I turned into more of like a city person, really into the, the big city kind of thing. And then it wasn't until the past couple of years, because of COVID, we weren't able to leave the country so that we decided to just do a bunch of travel within Japan and then really started to see all of these amazing, beautiful, naturous places. It feels like it going into nature and like jumping into freezing cold river water and, you know, seeing waterfalls and doing all of these, you know, quote unquote, adventurous things. It kind of, I don't know, maybe it, it made me feel like, oh, this is kind of who I am now. Like, or that, like this is my, my true self kind of thing. You know, in the past, I was in a, a, a long relationship and I, I felt like I kind of lost myself along the way. I, I didn't really, yeah, I felt like I was like trying to change myself to fit in with a, an ideal version kind of thing. So then, yeah, like going to travel and doing you know, adventurous things again. Yeah, I was like, ah, that's right. This is what I really love. This is what makes me feel alive and what makes me want to, you know, keep traveling. And it it motivates me to keep doing good things and to stay positive about things. If you're, you know, if you're in the city too long, things, the world starts to bear down on you and you Mm. get really stressed and things like that. But going into nature is like, ah, nothing matters. (laughs) Nothing matters, really. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good perspective it can give you. Absolutely. Could not agree more. And I'd just like to talk to you briefly about van life in Japan. So we know that you have a Jeep and that it's one that you've kind of converted yourself. It's got a rooftop tent on the top of it. The awning. The awning. Which is very long. It actually, I feel like it's disproportionately long. (laughs) Yeah, it's longer than like you think it's, you're like, oh, it's still going. Okay. (laughs) can fit a whole family under there. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'd just love to hear a little bit about what van life in Japan is like. Of course, we missed out on our van life trip, so we'll live vicariously through you. What is it like in Japan to do van life? I honestly think it's great. It's a wonderful country to do van life because there's a lot of things in like a, you know, a do a two hour drive. There's still maybe something that you could see in on the way kind of thing. Like you don't have to drive very far to see a lot of interesting things or a lot of really beautiful nature so many waterfalls and rivers and things that you know I know we we all love and also a massive bonus that I wouldn't have known until I I did I did do like a little bit of van life in America and oh man the toughest part was not being able to shower every day and just like oh feeling so sticky and dirty and (laughs) I you know the feeling I'm sure you do your van life so you get it well yeah yeah (laughs) trying to like go to bed like not touching anything so that you can't feel like the stickiness on your body like don't touch me (laughs) yeah so japan is wonderful because they've got onsens everywhere like these hot springs that they're all over the country and sometimes they're they're really cheap like 400 yen 
you know, four to two to four dollars, or sometimes they're a bit more expensive. But you've got a wonderful place to shower, and it comes with. Yeah, usually it comes with some kind of like body soap and shampoo, and you can go in and wash yourself and soak in a wonderful hot spring and and continue on your journey. So you, there's no excuse oh to not really be showered if you're doing van life in Japan. <laughs> like it's it's too easy to to make it happen. To be clean. To be clean, yeah. <laughs> and also, like, if you're going in summer, Chris and I will we'll often just, we're just, like, swimming in rivers and stuff like that so much that you don't really feel sweaty at the end of the day, which is great. Like, in the research that I've done about camping in Japan, wild camping and, you know, yeah, doing wild camping, quote-unquote, is technically illegal. That's in, like, mountainous areas, I think. I'm not entirely sure of, like, what the definition even is of wild camping in Japan. But a fact that I found out just the other day is that riversides in Japan, there's often like little roads that lead off onto like this rocky kind of area or sometimes there's some grass or maybe like a little parking area. If it's by a river, that is technically okay. You're pretty much allowed to stay. Anywhere. I mean, obviously not in like the middle of Tokyo, but like, you know, the, <laughs> in Japan, like a countryside. But even if you are in like a, a more of like a, a small town, perhaps, and there's a river there, you're technically a-okay to stay by the river. Um, but yeah, I think Japan's a, a wonderful, wonderful country to do van life and um, yeah, road tripping. You can just see so much mm. more incredible places and places that you can't reach with public transport. So when you get there, you're literally like the only person there, which is amazing. Yeah. The best thing about van life, and we'll say it time and time again, is getting out to the places that public transport wouldn't necessarily take you. So therefore, you're much less likely to visit if it wasn't for the van or the Jeep. Exactly. And yeah. therefore there's no one else there because only the people with this kind of like ability to get there in a van or a Jeep is going to be there. So you're going to have a place yeah. yourself. And yeah, it's really, it's a really special thing about van life. Mm, I think like Japan is like quite underrated for like van life or like traveling by car, like everyone, like quite obviously you just want to catch public transport or maybe it's quite intimidating to be driving in Japan or maybe it's the opposite side of the road for them. But I can't recommend it enough to people. I think it's amazing, an amazing way to see the country and you, you meet so many more locals and you'll, you'll find some of the most interesting stories just in between two train stations that you wouldn't go to otherwise. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder whether there'll be a bit of a rise in people doing it now that the trains are going to be twice as expensive. Wouldn't be surprising. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe they will be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll try to recommend it as much as I can, I think. JR Pass too expensive? Why not? Renting a van. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm conscious that we're coming to the end of the conversation. We could talk for ages. And I know that if we were here together in person, we would be going on till all hours, yeah. <laughs> as, as was our initial intention. But I just, just to wrap this up, I think what I really love about this conversation and for, for those of you that are listening that are, you know, that, that whether you're looking to travel to Japan or not, I think that what Hannah's, that, that Hannah's experience teaches us that one, yes, you can move to another country that can be vastly different from the one that you're from. You can adjust, you can fall in love with it, and you can call it home. So if that sparks your curiosity, I think that, Hannah, you're a testament to that. I think also we've learned that, yes, you can also learn a new language if you commit to it, if you show up, if you have the discipline, if you, you know, if you're, you surround yourself in that environment and, and, and learn the jokes from your coworkers, you know, <sighs> all of it. Of course you can. You don't have to be, is that a linguist? Is that the, the right term? Someone linguist, that learns lots yeah. of languages. Exactly. You, you, you could, you don't have to be 
uh, like just absolutely brilliant learning languages before you jump into where there's a will there's a way unless Hannah's hiding mm. something from us and actually she's just an expert linguist which is why she found <laughs> Japanese easy no no I'd be much better at Japanese if I was <laughs> <laughs> and then and then finally the other the other thing that I think it's just really evident is that you can still travel to countries that are popular and you can still discover places that are off the beaten track and mm. Again, another plug for your ebook to make it easier. <laughs> if if it is Japan, go and 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 buy your, yourself a copy of her ebook. Support her, support her work. One hundred and ten percent. We cannot recommend it enough. Hannah hasn't even paid yeah. us. To she say has. All this. She has not yes. paid us. <laughs> yeah. Just angels, just doing all of the work for me. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. And then, of course. And then, in general, if you're traveling to another country, just take Hannah's approach and 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 look at uh, Google Maps and zoom in and be curious. Speak to locals. We say this all the time. There's nothing like local knowledge. Arrive. Have some flexibility in your itinerary so that if you meet somebody in a cafe, in a restaurant, or you start talking to a local and they recommend something. Don't be afraid to to pivot your plans because you do not know what you're going to discover. And yeah, with with that, just want to say, Hannah, thank you so, so much for sharing your story, for sharing your, your adventures, your tips, all of it. And we just have a couple of things before we say goodbye. Yeah, so a couple of questions that we like to ask is, firstly, do you have a quote or a mantra that you like to live your life by or that's something that inspires you or that you just find funny or something? Yeah, I do. I saw like a motivational poster when I was like, I don't know, 18 or something. Oh, no, no. It was when I was like starting my YouTube channel. It was work hard in silence. Let success be your noise. And I... I, it felt like it really spoke to me. I was like, yes, yes, I will live my life like that from now on. <laughs> I, uh, I tend to not try to talk about the things that I want to do because sometimes that can like satisfy the part of your brain that would otherwise be motivating you to do it. So uh, don't talk about it first, just like act on it first and, you know, people will know about it when it's out kind of thing. Mm, like the that. ebook. Like the yeah. ebook, yes. Go buy it now on my website, currentlyhannah.com. No. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That is a great quote. And the other thing we wanted to ask you is, do you have a book recommendation? Ooh, a book recommendation. I, I do read a lot of, I don't know, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I read a lot of, yeah, like kind of like business or self-help-ish, I guess. But love like, yeah, it. Business. We love it. We love yeah. these kind of books. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm. I was quite. In, I'm getting quite into a uh, Ryan Holiday. He is well known for what is it? Stoicism. That's it. Yes. So I read his books recently. Ego is the enemy. The obstacle is the way. That was a big one to help me get through uh, not having a visa and <laughs> what should I do in my time in Australia. And I'm reading Stillness is the key at the moment. Yeah, really great, great, great books. If you're into kind of yeah, it's like mindfulness and yeah, stoicism, all of that. You're not actually, you're actually not the first person to recommend Ryan Holiday, which Ah. is, so there you go, it's a popular choice. Yeah, I got really into his stuff in Australia, like listening to all his podcasts, everything. Yeah, he's good. I I, I know of him and I've heard of him, but I have never read his books. So maybe this is the... This is the sign that I should, a second recommendation. Absolutely. And of course, as always, we will leave these books linked in the show notes so that you listening, that you go in and, and you read them. 
personal growth amazing this is this is what we love about the podcast is these conversations that widen our horizons that shift our perspectives that make us curious and make us believe that and to really feel like yeah adventure is for everybody and it can take all different shapes and forms and Hannah, your story is testament to that. Uh, And yeah, just thank you again so, so much. We literally just have the one last question for you. (laughs) And it is a closing tradition that we have on the show, which is you have to pick a secret code emoji. Now, this emoji is the emoji that people who have listened all the way till the end of this conversation will DM you on Instagram and us and all we oh. need that's all we need then we know then we know where they came from and right. that they yeah, yeah, have yeah. listened to the full story so what oh. is the secret code emoji for you Ooh, that's a good that's a really good question i really like the i don't use i don't get to use it very often but there's an emoji where it's a smiling face but he's like melting into the ground i like that one yeah. <laughs> nice brilliant yeah. i love that it's just completely yeah. random <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. Perfect. Yeah, great. Not the Japanese flag. <laughs> exactly, because that would no, be no, too, no, obvious. No. too obvious. Then Way you too guess obvious. it. You wouldn't have to listen this far. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no. 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 Completely obscure. Smiley face melting exactly. into the ground. That's me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> perfect. Now, now you know. When you get that in your inbox, you're gonna be like, "All right, you, you are committed. You know yeah. the story. <laughs> You've got it. I love it." It's also obscure enough to where you you couldn't just like send me a smiley face or anything like yeah it's a very unique one it'd be a strange one to just receive out of the blue if it wasn't for this specific reason exactly (laughs) well (laughs) hannah thank you so so much for your time it has been a pleasure talking and as tani said if we were all together in japan we'd continue this conversation on and on and on but hopefully we will catch up with you when we do eventually make it to japan next year next year and yeah thank you again so so much Oh, you're so welcome. It was really great, really great getting to talk to you guys. I'm I'm already excited for when you can come to Japan and you can <laughs> yeah. see all of the things I'm gushing about in person. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Thank Thanks you. so much, Hannah. Bye. Yeah, thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Thank you so, so much for listening. If you're still here, we really appreciate your dedication to listen all the way through to these these episodes. Well, can I just say, you can see that, you know, people start dropping off towards the end. Some people. Some people. We know who you are. No, yeah. we don't know who you are. <laughs> Some people, get given that as soon as they get the emoji <laughs> locked in, they, you know, they, they, they go on to the next episode. I'm hoping that that's the case. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but it must be. <laughs> for you guys that are here right now, still listening, thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate you. As always, if you are a fan of the show and you want to support us for free, please go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell or us rating, or rating, you wherever you're listening. It just any whatever platform you're on, just show the podcast some love in whatever way it lets you, whether that be a rating or a review, or yeah, just anything and share it with a friend. Mm. And if you really enjoy the podcast and want to get some more access to it, to behind the scenes, to some of our films, then please do head over to Patreon and consider supporting us there. The link to that is, of course, in the show notes. But yeah, that is it for this week. Thank you again so, so much. And we'll see you here again, same place next week. Bye.